Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, July 28, 2023. Jack Devine will be with us in just a moment. Jack thinks that everything is great in NATO and they're ready for implementation. Implementation of what? Right after this. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery Starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey, Judge Napolitano here. You know that I believe that that government is best which governs least and that government is worst which interferes and regulates the most. There's no better example of this than government printing cash. It devalues everything you own, including your savings. I also believe that one of the best protections against this government excess is gold, physical, unprintable gold, which has a long history of protecting individual investors against government interference. You all know that I'm a paid spokesperson for Lear Capital. I know the folks at Lear Capital. I work with the folks at Lear Capital. I trust the folks at Lear Capital. I invest with them and I encourage you to do the same. Learn more about how to invest in gold by calling Lear. Lear has 25 years of experience and thousands of five-star reviews and a 24-hour risk-free purchase guarantee. Call them at 800-511-4620 or reach them at learjudgenap.com. Give them a call today. They'll answer your questions. They'll send you a booklet. They'll tell you what you need to know. There's no pressure. There's no obligation. 800-511-4620, learjudgenap.com. 
Jack, welcome back to the show, my dear friend. Always a pleasure uh, to be with you. You recently wrote uh, that NATO is now solidified. You were speaking, of course, of the events in Vilnius. Uh, and it's time for implementation. Jack, implementation of what? Well, I think, you know, to put this in context, if, sure. if, if we look at how the Russians feel about what happened, not Putin, but let's say the folks around him and how they're looking at whether this was a success or not. The big shortcoming in his great strategy is that NATO was limping along. Remember how everybody was complaining about it in the West and in the U.S. government and it was feckless and this and that and the other. He single-handedly has solidified it. I've never seen, and I'd ask you, have you ever seen NATO so well organized? I mean, it's so united. Uh, first of all, they've added Sweden and Finland, and now they're talking about bringing in a friendly relationship to some of our other allies. I I know that there's people grumbling in very quiet turns about this is one of the big disadvantages. So I think what are they doing? I, I think they're going to be, you know, uh, they're going to be providing more assistance. And when it gets around to the be rebuild, they'll probably be the biggest donor in my mind. So I, well, they I don't they, the they don't have an army, Jack, do they? They don't have a central military command. So aside from supplying less military equipment than President Zelensky has asked for and less than General Zeluzhny needs, what has NATO done? No, but we're in the same boat. I mean, he's asked us for many, many more weapons. He's not wrong. It's just what is the capacity to do it? But, I mean, the, uh, the Europeans have been very supportive, uh, both with money, substantial amounts of money, and with support. I mean, the, the, the tanks, the Leopard tanks did go in. I mean, I'm not sure that was... Uh, big a deal other than symbolically for the Germans to do it was unprecedented. Nobody would have predicted that a year before the war started. So I what what I think I'm saying is NATO is born again. It's born again and it's going to be, you know, we are part of that. And when you look at Russia, what is his it's his alliance. Who is he tied with? Are the Chinese really shoulder to shoulder with with the way NATO is with us? Uh, they don't have there's a lot of things that are Quite different between well, that. NATO is not NATO is not exactly that solidified. We know that Greece and Turkey hate each other, right? And they're both NATO members. Well, uh, there's a history there, if you want to say that. Um, but uh, there's a long history between the Germans and the French, and and so on. But right now, uh, the Turks allowed the Swedes to get in, right? They were what, hoping. What, so, what do you want to see NATO do? Do you want a NATO army on the ground made oh, up of troops no. from 32 different countries under a central command? Is that no, what Jack Devine and the CIA no, you're, want? You're, you're talking to a peacenik here. I mean, I don't want to see... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you just call no, yourself no, no. a peacenik? That was a joke. <laughs> that was a joke, Your Honor. Oh. Does the court not have a sense of humor? You know, <laughs> you just because me. you hit you me in the eye with your shoe the other night and forgot about it, I mean, I mean it doesn't mean you have to... I have to be, I can't make a joke. So right. my, right. my point is, I do not want U.S. troops in there. I don't see NATO troops. I've never envisioned that. What I hope they do, because remember what Putin's strategy is, and we've talked about it from the beginning, is to outlast the West, the wear us down, have us divide and fight amongst our, among ourselves. That's not working so well. And that's the point of that article, which is NATO and, and we are working better than we have in decades, decades. So but no troops. I mean, they're going to give a lot of money. I, mean, I think that's true. They're, they're also giving 
to the strategic weapons that the Brits have given and other things are going on that I can't talk about, but they're in there supporting uh, supporting as much as they can within the... What, the, what kind of other things I, are I don't going on? There's what more, kind of more we could do. There's all, all more right. we could do. All right. What kind of other things are going on, Jack Devine? Well, if they, if I could, if I would have, if I was going to tell you, I would have said it right now. Okay. But look, there's a lot of uh, training that's taking place, uh, and I think intelligence sharing that is self-evident. Do you and, think that there this are part of fighting? Okay. Do you think there are, uh, to be serious, do you think there are peace negotiations going on that the public doesn't know about? If they, if they are. They're meaningless. I mean, I hate to be a pessimist. The ingredients on the ground are not propitious for uh, peace. I wish there were. I wish it were true. Um, I think it's over the horizon, um, not far over the horizon than I've been thinking for a long time, which is probably twenty-four, not twenty-three. Do you do you think that Russia? I know you think that Russia will not move farther um, west, but do you go so far as to say that Russia has lost this war? Not over yet, by any means. We're but let's let's look at what we have here today. They gain ground, but they in in the early uh, invasion, they've lost fifty percent of that. They haven't gained anything on the ground. There's no real gain. Well, they still but control. They, did, they still they control those four regions that uh, they wanted, and and Crimea. That's really all they're looking for. Well, they went a lot further. Now they got pushed back. Let's let's get the story straight on that one. I mean, they they are holding on. Now, what's interesting is the Western commentary is saying, "Oh, we're not making progress." But if you look at Russian, you start talking to the Russian sources or look at reporters that are covering that, they're not at all happy about what's going on. Now, I've been consistent on the show for months that the big offensive for the Ukrainians, the counteroffensive, was not going to push them out of there. Okay. And I, I've always said, holding the Russians, that they're not making progress should be a, na a national embarrassment to Russians, that they can't move forward is a disgrace. Look at their general. They just, they removed General Popov, who was in the 58th, you know, because he said, look, we're taking, we're, we're getting hurt out here and we're not, we don't have the equipment. You're talking about, Zelensky complaining, look at what Prigozhin's saying in his, in, in Putin's own, own generals about them being undersupported. He's also uh, raised the conscription. I, I want to bring you. I want to bring you back to uh, Vilnius because President Zelensky was very unhappy at Vilnius, and referred to the consensus of NATO that that Ukraine is not ready to join. He called it absurd. And he had a temper tantrum uh, on social media. Where's that going? No, I I would say, I'm sure that's his sentiment. Um, however. I, I have never felt that NATO was going to bring him in during the war. And I think there are provisions that says NATO can't do that, that you cannot bring a member when they're in an active, uh, active war. That doesn't mean there can't be an adjustment in the rules, right? NATO could do it if they chose to change the rules. Well, but if they change the rules now, if they change the rules now and admit and admit uh, Ukraine, no. wouldn't that trigger Article 5? And then we have troops on the ground. Well, it, well, let me just stop for a, a second. I think it's a really important thing that NATO not bring countries in when they're fighting. In other words, I would have voted on that because it immediately does what you're suggesting. It drags you into a war. Right. right? Or you say, well, we're going to make an exception in Article 5 and we're not going to do it. So I, I, 
I think, you know, I understand why Zelensky wants to do it. And I think, you know, he is an actor. I'm not diminishing it. But it probably was the right play for him to take. It doesn't mean we have to sign up because he has a strong view on this. I think they took the right decision. Uh, they said basically we're going to let you in at the right time after the after your after this war comes to succession. Now, the Russians don't want to hear that. Let me tell you, if you think Zelensky is unhappy, the people that are un more unhappy with what took place in NATO are the Russians. All right. Before we get to the unhappiness of uh, the Russians, I want you to tell me if you agree with uh, President Biden. Now, here he is two weeks ago in Helsinki. It's the day after the conclusion of the NATO conference uh, in Vilnius, Lithuania. The uh, issue of whether or not uh, um, this is gonna keep Putin from continuing to fight, the answer is Putin's already lost the war. Putin has a real problem. How does he move from here? What does he do? And so the idea that there's going to be what vehicle is used, he could end the war tomorrow. He could just say, I'm out. But what agreement is ultimately reached depends upon Putin and uh, what he decides to do. But there, there is no possibility of him winning the war in Ukraine. He's already lost that war. Imagine if even if, anyway, he's already lost that war. Do you agree with that, Jack? There's no possibility no. of Russia winning and that Russia has, quote, he said it three times. No, there's, two there's two different Already questions. lost the war. No, but there's two different questions. One is, have they lost the war already? Or am I saying they're not going to win the war? Okay, okay let's start there's with, the have they first. lost the war already? Yeah, you don't agree with that. You don't agree with that, do you? No, absolutely not. I, but I, I would have chosen what I did. You can't see it over my shoulder. Had it not been the week after the Russians went in, and I said, Putin has sowed the seeds. Wait a minute. The op-ed is the op-ed is over your shoulder. You have that piece from the Wall Street Journal on the wall of your uh, office. Absolutely. There? I am going to bring it to you <laughs> when when this is over and make you sign it. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to bring my shoe and hit you in the right eye. But <laughs> all right, Jack. I see you have a little black eye there. Yeah, you that's want to it. Tell everybody how it happened when we had that lunch well, the other day. That I wasn't looking, and you hit me with your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so, but look, I, I don't hold it against you, right? It's all it's all business. But seriously, I from the very beginning, his going in was a it was a failure, which is different than losing the war. I think it's so deceited, and he is going to go. That's different. What we have is a war that's in, being contested, right? I think the Russians should be embarrassed where they are, and I am hopeful. Ukrainians, I still don't see them pushing the, the Russians out of the areas they have. I've been saying it over and over again. This is a question of who says uncle first. Okay. okay? All right. I hear you. Ukrainians I hear you. Tough. I here's, mean, um, here's President uh, Putin with an English translation uh, on the uh, latest uh, state of the battle. We confirm that over the past days, hostilities have significantly intensified. The main clashes taking place around Zaporizhia. But the enemy was not successful in any of the areas of combat. All counterattack attempts have been stopped. The enemy has been pushed back and suffered big losses. They don't call it fake, they don't call it fake news for nothing. The Russians have three rungs, rings of defense 
and the Ukrainians haven't even approached the first of those three rings. That's not that's not true. They're actually making progress in the south. They've taken villages, but this is not. People don't want to hear about villages, right? Right, right. They, they want a real breakthrough. There was a great overestimation of this. Uh, so there's a lot of landmines and in warfare. I don't need to tell you, or maybe most of your audience. You want to be on the defensive side in the struggle, right? Now, that doesn't mean you're going to win, but it's an easier place to be, okay? So I, I think what we're going to see between now and when the, um, the uh, offensive is over is some modest gains. What I think is going to happen, this is Jack's prediction, uh, but there's already been a few instances. They'll have startling breakthroughs, okay? It's not going to push them out of where they are, but... For example, attacking attacking the land bridge between Russia and Crimea was a big deal. They're hitting depots, big deal. Uh, so I don't see a big change in land, but I think there's going to be a series of embarrassing uh, setbacks for the Russians. And okay, uh, let me switch gears a little bit because I have a clip from uh, CIA Director Burns at the Aspen Institute, a place where you would be welcome, but I would not. I'm not sure about I'm not sure about that at all. I know right, you're well, not welcome. I think I might not be. I've been contaminated. Well, you've been contaminated because you come on this program. But before we get before we get to uh, Director Burns's uh, statement, uh, what is your view now with the uh, perspective of three weeks of the Pergosian uh, incident? Well, I, I still there's parts of this that are amazing, but. I, I, I think it showed great weakness. The more I see it, it Putin must be you know, uh, hanging by a thread. That's an exaggeration. But he's much weaker than I thought. Prigozhin's walking around, and I think a week ago, maybe even less, he was still criticizing the military. And he's, it was in St. Petersburg. He criticized, and then he was in Belarus and criticizing them. And he's walking around now meeting African leaders talking about you know the good fight down there. I mean... How he survives, it tells you how weak they are. They're afraid to tackle him. And that, in a dictatorship, is really scary. It is baffling. Someone, I hope some Russian writer writes the story because it is very hard to diagnose other than it's nothing but weakness for Putin. I mean, it's a, it's a real sign of weakness. I don't know how you can cut it any other way. Here's uh, CIA director uh, Bill Burns, who, of course, is the former U.S. ambassador to Moscow and knows Russia and knows Putin well and knows him per, uh, personally. Here he is last week at the uh, Aspen Institute in a very interesting exchange. I'd like your thoughts on this, Jack. Weaknesses have been exposed by Prigozhin's mutiny, but I think even more deeply than that, they've been exposed by Putin's misjudgment since he launched this invasion as well. And I think there's a there's a relationship between the battleground in Ukraine and what's going on inside Russia in the sense that if and when the Ukrainians make further advances on the battlefield, I think what that's going to do is cause more and more Russians in the elite and outside the elite to pay attention to Prigozhin's critique of the war. Putin is someone who generally thinks that revenge is a dish best served cold. So he's going to try to settle the situation to the extent he can but again, in my experience, Putin is the ultimate apostle of payback. So I would be surprised if Prigozhin escapes further retribution for this. So in that sense, the president's right. If I were Prigozhin, I wouldn't fire my food taster. 
So your audience is going to be convinced I'm part of the deep state. Well, they are, they know because you're I've part of the saying, deep state, I've Jeff. Been, that was your job for 40 years. But, but what what he said, I, I've been saying and talking in different ways over many months about this. The last part about Prigozhin, I think it's a foot race between who goes first, Prigozhin or, or Putin. I, I think it's that bad. Uh, I'm not betting money. But the rest of it is what I've written in op-eds. It's what I've said on this show and everywhere okay, When else. you say go, do you mean leave power or leave life on Earth? At least one, <laughs> maybe two. <laughs> I mean, Putin could could be rid of, uh, of Prigozhin in a, in a heartbeat with a phone call, right? No, he, no he, he has decided that he can't do that. He, this is weakness. He's afraid to do it. Why not do it? I mean, what? Why let a guy march on you, make a fool out of you? Well, you just heard you just heard director you just heard director Burns say, in in other words, uh, Brokosian's life is threatened. He better not fire his food taster. Well, I, if I were Putin, I wouldn't fire my food taster. In other words, I think both of them. Uh, I think Brokosian isn't. I agree with his assessment. Putin hates him. Hates him viscerally. Right. So uh, how he has the audacity to do what he does and feel that he can do this and get away with it is stunning to me. I cannot fathom this okay. other than to say Putin is weak. And One last uh, subject matter, is, which is... Dictators really, when they're weak, they're in a dangerous place, really. You alluded to this uh, earlier, Jack. I'm going to go back to uh, NATO. Should the G7 countries join NATO? Are you suggesting Japan should join NATO? Uh, what, what I have in the other op-ed, which you can't see in the other wall, which I also want you to sign. You have op-eds all over your walls. No, only the ones that I think are going to stand the test of time. It'll okay. be a, a, a family monument, if you will. All right. And that is... Should Japan that's, join that's, NATO? It would be, it's oh, absurd in my view, but in Jack Devine's view. Yeah, but let me... Let me tell you what I really think, okay? So I think we're, and this is the op-ed, it said, this isn't just the Ukraine-Russia. This is about a strategic struggle between NATO, the U.S., our allies, Russia, China, and its allies. And the outcome of this is, the outcome of the Ukrainian situation is going to change that balance. We should therefore and I'm a big advocate and have been for many years, of enriching our relationships with our allies. Get strong. They're a force multiplier. Invest in allies, right? That doesn't mean they have to be part of, the, uh, of, the, of NATO, okay? They don't have to be part of NATO. But I'm saying that's the right path. Get tighter. Let NATO get tighter with Japan and all the other countries that find the behavior of Russia outrageous. So if North Korea fires some sort of a weapon, some crazy nonsense uh, at Japan, uh, Lithuania and France are going to have to go to battle for Japan. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, is that going to happen? Uh, I mean, it, I have no, let me put it, I think Kim Jong-un is crazy, not crazy, I, he's a clever fox, but the have all those marbles, he's not going to do that. So hypothetically, I mean, why, why go there? I don't think, you know, who goes in, no matter what piece of paper you have in your hand, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. So if, 
if North Korea fires a, a missile at Japan, they're not going to be worried about little states. They're going to worry about what the United States is going to be doing the next day. Okay, so it's not about little states that are part of a, a bigger alliance. I don't think he's going to do it. I another uh, that's been a problem for almost fifty years. Okay, Jack Devine, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, my dear friend. I hope we can see you next week. Appreciate all the time you give us. Well, it's, it's fun, and, and I think your audience is special. Thank you. My audience is very special. It's very yeah. special. And they think I'm special, too, but probably not in the same way. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. I hope your eye uh, heals well. God oh, it will. This is, I've had this before. All kinds of okay. Okay. So, yeah, yesterday I sat down with uh, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who was the second of the major... Uh, presidential candidates whom I've been privileged to interview. If you go to judgenap.com or Judging Freedom, you'll see my interview with RFK Jr. The interview with Governor Christie we will post at noon uh, Eastern time on Monday, but here's a little snippet. Governor, would you cut the defense budget? Bearing in mind, we have 903 foreign military, American military installations. And the Defense Department gets $860 billion with a B a year. Do we really need them spending all that money? Do we really need troops on 900 various locations throughout the, country, the world that no one person could even point out? Well, I tell you this, Judge, every bit of the budget will get right you'll see the full interview we're going to throw a few more teases up before the weekend is out you'll see the full interview uh posted on our website at noon eastern time uh on monday and of course we're back in the saddle we'll have the full panoply of our guests for you next week just as we did this week what to expect next week an indictment of former president trump for the january 6th events and events uh, leading up to it. More as we get it, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.